This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. Curtis Gregory is making a run for state Senate. Elisa Nelson will visit with him. Nighttime is coming alive at Silver Dollar City, and you'll hear about Ore Street Studios in Columbia, the hub of a growing art scene. It opened in the 1990s, a safe haven for victims of violence and a place for law students to gain practical experience for a career as an attorney. After it closed in 2020, the University of Missouri announced its plans to reopen the Family Violence Clinic. Anthony Morbeth has more on that story. He joins the dean of the MU School of Law, Paul Litton. And Paul, thanks for joining us. Could you explain what the Family Violence Clinic is? Family Violence Clinic is a uh, basically a class uh, taught by a professor at the law school who, along with students, represent uh, victims of abuse. They help them uh, primarily uh, secure protective orders, uh, uh, orders of protection. And then they do some, uh, in the past at least, they've done some other work helping with uh, adoptions, helping with uh, parents who are dying and trying to figure out uh, how to secure their children's future. Primarily, though, they're working uh, with shelters, uh, with clients that they meet through um, our contacts at shelters and help them secure uh, protective orders. And so basically what it uh, it does is it's a way for our students to learn how to be lawyers. They're getting experience advocating for clients. They're getting experience interacting with clients, especially clients who are uh, in a very vulnerable circumstance. And so they're learning how to be a lawyer, not just by you know reading books, but by actually um, getting out there and 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 helping people. Um, and so it's it's this uh, it's a great partnership because it's it's a it's a way for students to learn and for us to help very vulnerable uh, fellow citizens uh, while our students are learning how to be lawyers. And so an interesting follow-up, uh, you kind of indirectly talked about it in relation to lawyers. Would lawyers basically be the only sorts of majors that would be working with and be affiliated with this family violence clinic? Well, yes, because uh, so we're a school of law. Our only students are law students. So that's exactly right. So we, right, we don't have undergraduates are not participating in, in the clinic. It's really just our law students. And obviously it's, it's a great way for the law students to get experience, especially in this day and age. Uh, no, it's, it, it really is. Uh, like I said, it, it's, you know, our curriculum, there's, we have a lot of, you know, classes where students are learning doctrine and learning how to reason and think like lawyers in the classroom. But it's a whole nother thing to actually be out there interacting with clients, arguing on their behalf in court and actually doing real practical work. And then on top of that, um, we know that it's inspiring work. We know that they're you know, feeling good about the fact that they're using their new skills and their new knowledge uh, to help people who really need the support of others. So we're talking with Paul Litton, Dean of the University of Missouri School of Law on Show Me Today. The Family Violence Clinic is set to reopen, right? It's set to reopen. It didn't actually reopen yet. Is that correct? No, that that's right. We're very fortunate that um, the, uh, the the state legislature and then along with the support of, from the governor are uh, have provided us funding to, to reopen it. The, the governor just signed uh, the budget recently. 
So now we're going to kick off a search to find a new director, a new clinical professor uh, to, to teach the relevant courses and to teach the clinic itself. We're hoping that it's going to reopen uh, for spring semester. So, so that would be uh, in January. So the, it closed its doors in 2020. Was it a result of COVID? Was it a result of funding? Yeah, so basically the, the, the immediate cause was just that the professor who had been teaching it for decades retired. Uh, professor Mary Beck uh, pioneered this, the clinic. It opened in the, uh, in the 90s. She taught it um, incredibly in an inspiring manner for, for decades. She retired, uh, and then we were planning to reopen it, but then you're right, then the pandemic hit. We had to have a hiring freeze. Um, and so, uh, you know, deal with some uh, ways to figure out how to uh, budget for it. But now with, like I said, with the with the support of the state, we're so grateful uh, that now we, could, we can move forward and bring it back. So new funding by the Missouri legislature is, uh, you know, one of the reasons for its reopening is the funding solely by the Missouri legislature, or are you going to be able to find uh, like loans or grants or other sort of uh, funding or donations to keep it running and keep it going? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the state funding is certainly helping us kick that off. But once we kick it off, that's going to help us in, in, in other ways, as you said, in terms of both uh, applying for grants and also in fundraising. So, yeah, it's, it's much uh, we're in a, we'll be in a much better position now to seek uh, grant funding and to seek uh, philanthropic support with it actually uh, with its doors open. So you're you're exactly right on that. My reason in asking was basically not just that um, was more along the lines of hoping that we don't hear of it closing down the road and, and in uh, regards to the funding. No, no, no. We, we there's we don't have any plans. Uh, w our plan is to open it and have it to be a continual uh, resource for our students and the community. So obviously, uh, funding from the state legislature was uh, just out of curiosity. Is that a a, a permanent thing that they're going to be doing through the next well, I, couple of years? I, you know, I I can't really say. I don't. I, you know, of course, we're always we're always hopeful and 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 hopeful, uh, but I, you know. I can't speak for the legislature. Sure. I completely understand. I just figured since I had you here, um, you know, that I would ask anyway, obviously, because, uh, you know, you, sure. hear, you hear of things uh, opening and closing constantly. And boy, I would I would hate to see, especially the kind of experience and the kind of help that this is doing in the community to see this uh, close. And obviously, you know, speaking. No, we're not. We're 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 really we're 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 very committed to it. Like I said, we're we're really grateful for the support. It's it's helping us. uh you know, it's it's going to really help us. It's helping us open it, getting it off the ground, then being able to show the good work that it does, show the way it changes lives. Uh, that's going to help us as we apply for grants, as we, um, like I said, seek support from our wonderful uh, alumni and others. We're committed to keeping this open. So I'm told that you're embarking on a search for a clinical professor to direct the clinic. You brought it up recently just a little bit. Could you talk me through the specifics of how you go about uh, embarking on that search? Sure. Uh, it's not too complicated. We're going to put out uh, advertisements. We're going to advertise uh, around in, in the appropriate publications around the state where, you know, publications that lawyers read, such as in bar journals, 
We're, we're going to advertise with the Association of American Law Schools, which is uh, the main academic organization for law schools that help law schools recruit professors. Uh, and then once we uh, receive our applications and CVs, we'll contact uh, our strong applicants um, and start the interview process. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this. Uh, say, for example, a prospective student considering going to university or college is listening and, and they hear about this and they possibly might want to become an attorney, a lawyer, things like that. How would they, uh, could you walk me through the process of uh, potentially getting to the point where I could uh, eventually work at the family violence clinic? You mean so? So you mean as a student or as the, as a professor? I apologize, as a student. Oh, as a student, sure. Uh, yeah. So, someone interested in law school, uh, normally they they uh, take and uh, the entrance exam, the exam that law prospective law students take, the LSAT. Um, they can look up all the information about the LSAT on the internet. But really, if they really, the most important thing for them to do is they could just call our admissions office. Uh, our assistant dean of admissions, his name is J.R. Swanigan. He will be thrilled to to talk to any prospective law student uh, and walk through through the process and talk to uh, about what law school is like and what one has to do to apply and to be a successful applicant. So yeah, feel any anyone who's out there thinking of law school, please feel free to give us a give us a call. Anything else you wanted to mention in closing before I let you go? No, I again thanks for the opportunity to uh, allow us to you know let folks around the state know that we uh, that's you know serving serving the citizens of the state is is really important to us at the law school, and so it's one of the reasons we're really excited to reopen the the family violence clinic. So thanks so much for the opportunity. Paul Litton, Dean of the MU School of Law on Show Me today, discussing the Family Violence Clinic. And a simple reminder, if you're tuning in late or if you want to hear more, subscribe to Show Me today on Apple or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Just type in Show Me today, the voice of Missouri. Click subscribe, download, listen, and take us with you wherever you are on the go. This is Show Me today, the voice of Missouri. University of Missouri encourages you to eat smart, like a tiger. Use the grill to cook vegetables and fruits. Try grilling mushrooms, onions, peppers, or zucchini on a kebab skewer. Brush with oil to keep them from drying out. Grilled fruits like peaches, pineapple, or mangoes add variety to a cookout. Find more tips like this at muext.us slash eatsmartlikeatiger. This message was funded by USDA SNAP. Having enough food is a concern for many Missouri families, and it isn't restricted to rural or urban areas. Missouri Farmers Care Drive to Feed Kids opens the door for every Missourian to make a difference in the fight against hunger in our state. All proceeds are dedicating to feeding Missouri's network food banks who work daily to alleviate hunger. Visit MOFarmersCare.com drive to learn more and join the effort. Calling all Korean War veterans. Join us on July 27, 2023 at the Missouri State Capitol at 10 a.m. in the First Floor Rotunda for the 70th Anniversary Korean War Veterans Armistice Day event. This tribute is dedicated to your incredible bravery and sacrifice in protecting our freedom and democracy. 
The event features a pinning ceremony and resource fair to honor and recognize your service. Don't miss this special moment in history. Register online at veteranbenefits.mo.gov to join us. Since Missouri's agricultural community joined together to help support the launch of Missouri Farmers Care Drive to Feed Kids in 2017, the drive has generated 11,224,132 meals that have all been donated to Missourians in need. Together, we can get Missouri food products on the plates of hungry Missouri children and their families. Visit mofarmerscare.com drive to learn more and join the effort. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. We're back on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Uh, summertime, it's hot here in Missouri, and Silver Dollar City has a new way for you to stay cool this summer. Uh, it's their all-new Summer Nights Festival, and joining us is Casey Robertson from Silver Dollar. How you doing, Casey? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. So this is all new. This, is this the first time you're doing this Summer Nights Festival? It just started this past Saturday. Tell us what it's all about. Summer Nights is, is much like Moonlight Madness. We moved it back a little bit. Now we're calling it Summer Nights, and so we're, we stay open until 10 o'clock. We've got a great AVA band down in Echo Hollow, and they start at 8.30. And then we've also moved the fireworks back, so the fireworks end the night. So those, those fire off about 9.45, 9.50 and end the night. And then we've got a great group up on the gazebo up in the square. called the, They're called Big Blitz. They're from pittsburgh pennsylvania it's two saxophones and a drummer and it's, it's a lot of fun and so we've got some great nighttime entertainment ava um we've got peter gossamer back he was with us in the spring and he's back to do a magic show and uh, so we've got some great entertainment still doing the rainmaker if you've seen the rainmaker he makes a rain every day about every 30 minutes so that's a fun that's a fun thing to do do during the day too so you can get a little wet and get a little relief from the hot yeah, yeah. So this is going on every day now that the park is open till July thirtieth. Yep, we're open seven days a week right now, and we're open till ten o'clock. Yep. All right. So I'm imagining that this is uh, probably pretty popular, staying open till ten once the the sun goes down. That uh, things really, uh, really keep popping. Then fans uh, seem to be pretty interested in this high demand. Uh, well, you know, it's kind of fun to ride roller coasters at night. My favorite is Outlaw Run because you, you can't really see what the next turn's going to be. So. You kind of you, you got to just get ready for it. Um, yeah, it's it's really popular. Uh, folks really like it, and they bring their families out and ride ride um, at night, and then go see some shows and eat some great food. And there's there's a, just a ton to do. Yeah, you mentioned Outlaw Run. That was voted one of the top ten roller coasters in America, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah. We you know we've gotten quite a few accolades this year, and um, that that's definitely one of them. And 
um, yeah, the outlaw run is, is very smooth and it's a lot of fun. And I, I enjoy that one time traveler too. I think it's a toss up for me if time traveler or outlaw run is my favorite ride, but there we've got, we've got a lot of great coasters. Yeah. All right. So silver dollar city, we're talking with Casey Robertson, by the way, of silver dollar city and their new summer nights festival. And, and you're picking up a lot of accolades and, uh, talk about the popularity of silver dollar city and just, uh, the Branson area in general. What, what has it been like the last couple of years? Uh, you know, since COVID, um, Branson's been doing really well. Um, and this year, uh, TripAdvisor voted us the number one theme park destination in the United States. And so that was really nice. So from from May of um, last year to May of this year, we we got the most um, we got the most uh, number one picks for uh, TripAdvisor. Yeah. Well, that that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it is, you know. I, I there's some other parks that are in Florida and California that I have a lot of appreciation for, but you know, we did a little bit better than them, and folks seem to like us, so that's pretty. That's pretty great. Casey Robertson is the director of entertainment at Silver Dollar City. You know, I, I would say my perception when I would travel out of state, and this is going back like maybe fifteen, twenty years ago. If if I mentioned people, say, oh, where are you from? It's oh, from Missouri. It's, oh, I went to Branson. The the people that told me that they went to Branson were like 60 and older. So there was this perception, and I don't know if it's just mine or, or in general, but that it was just that old people were going to Branson. But over the last few years, when I go down there, it's it's more families and it's more kids. And, and the age seems to have changed. Is my perception off, or was that a, um, a conscious effort of the area to, to kind of turn that around a bit? Well, it was for sure a conscious effort of the area. Um, there's been a big shift in a lot of family entertainment and a lot of family stuff to do in Branson. And, um, you know, you're, we're, you're definitely seeing that rewarded with a lot of families coming to Branson and especially Silver Dollar City. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're talking about Summer Nights Festivals going on now through the 30th of July. Um, you, I didn't realize this. Mystic River Falls is the, the tallest drop of a water raft ride? That's what they say it is. Yeah, it's got a pretty big tower, and you get to ride, <laughs> you get to ride the raft all the way to the top and then ride it down. It's, it's pretty unique, and so it's a, it's a one-of-a-kind, and, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and you're, you're going to get... You're going to get wet when it splashes down and, and also when it runs around the course. Uh, yeah, that, that's a fun one as well, and especially great right now. You know, the, it's not as hot as it was last summer, and so that's pretty great. But still, it's nice to get a little relief and, and get on the water rides. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Kind of cool. You talked about it being a, a little dark as you're going through the triple inverting outlaw run. Are there other rides that have some lights or um, any any other cool rides that people should pay attention to when they're there? Well, Outlaw Run at night is pretty cool. I think all the coasters at night are pretty cool, but Outlaw Run, um, people kind of think that it's an aggressive spin, but it, you know, because the, the the platform on the coaster spins, but it's it's really nice. It's kind of like you get to a little during the day, you get a little trip and kind of a a view of the Ozarks as you go through the hills and the trees, and so that's pretty great. But it's fun at night too. So, so yeah, all the coasters are a lot of fun at night. Yeah, Silver Dollar City's new Summer Nights Festival going on until July thirtieth. Um, how do people get tickets for, uh, for the park and then for this, uh, special run of hours in the evening? Sure. 
you can go online. You can go on our website and pick up tickets. You can call the call center and get tickets, or you can walk right up to the uh, ticket booth at the front of the park and get tickets. There's an after five ticket too. That's a little bit less if you and your family just want to come after five o'clock. And um, but yeah, you can pick the tickets off at any of those locations. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. If people are doing other stuff at Branson and they just wanted to cool off and take a couple rides, if they could get in um, late yep. at night, All right. there's yeah. definitely special. There's specials after 5 o'clock. You can check those out on the website. And then um, when you come to the park, we have a brand-new app. We've had an app for several years, but there's a brand-new version of it, and so the app's pretty great, and it can help you locate where you are in the park when you're looking at the map and kind of help you plan your trip. So the app's a great thing to download as well because we have the what we call the Pathfinder. So it's it's a newspaper with the show schedule and a map on, of it, on it and some kind of some talking points about some things that you could do in the park if it's your first time. So you can pick that up. But you can also just download the app, and you can check out all the show times and see all of that and see what's going on. You can see ride wait times on the app, and so that's a pretty helpful tool. How cool. Take advantage of TripAdvisor's number one theme park in the U.S. and do it at night, the all-new Summer Nights Festival at Silver Dollar City in Branson. Casey Robertson, great catching up with you. Thanks. Great to talk to you. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you talk and they will hear you Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking during the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You try All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. 
Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school. How about the incident today? Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is Show Me Today, an artist's workspace in Columbia has become the hub of a growing art scene or street studios. Houses dozens of creative folks and their art. Director Dawn Warrant is here with Ashley Bird to talk about the activities around and in or street studios. We've been here since 2007 was uh, when the doors first opened. We became a nonprofit gallery, studio space and event space in 2009. And we have 26 artists in our 21 studios and do a lot of public events that are free for the community. Now, Orr Street, uh, if, for a visitor who comes into Orr Street, what is the, can you tell me without us being there, a little bit of the experience that we get? Because it's pretty amazing, the doors and all of that. Can you kind of just sort of recreate for us on radio what they might experience? Sure. Um, well, number one, we're right in the heart of Columbia's North Village Arts District, which is a great area. If you're into art, there are a lot of galleries and things like that. And our beautiful building has kind of a mid-century, modern sort of uh, industrial look. Uh, it's a beautiful building. Walk on up and walk through the doors, and there'll be a nice, beautiful, open space that features our four gallery walls, which are for our rotating show it happens monthly, and we have uh, sometimes group shows, sometimes uh, shows from out of town, mostly uh, artists that are local, though, um, because we've got a lot of really great art here in Columbia. And then you'll notice the big, beautiful sliding doors that slide to open into the individual studios, which we have 21 of. Those beautiful doors were made on site during the reconstruction of the space by Chris Teeter, our local artist and our founding board member. Mark Timberlake actually owns the building and still does. He's uh, a contractor and had this piece of property he bought in 2006 right uh, there just off Walnut, not too far from Broadway or Main Street in Columbia, and thought to talk to his friend Chris and said, hey, what do you think I should do with this space? And so he and Chris came up with the idea 
of creating a hub of sorts for artists and the community. So it features a gallery space, individual studios, and uh, again, we host a lot of local events. So it's a really calming, some people say it's cozy, which I guess it is. And just people, we welcome everyone. And it's a very, very positive place. And I, I would agree with that. Um, and, and I would start with, let's talk about the artist. It's cozy for the artists. They have creative space. They have maker spaces. Yeah. Um, yes. So when these doors, these massive doors slide open, which are works of art themselves, they have decorated them as works of art um, that tell yeah. a little bit yeah. about That's... what's inside. So when you reveal a studio, yeah. give us a taste of a couple of those studios and when, when, sure. when those doors slide open. Absolutely. Well, some of uh, so the doors, uh, again, are so individual. There's a whole page on our website that talks about each one of the doors and their stories. When you open the uh, studio doors right off, when you first come in, you'll see a shared space with Sharon Hyatt and Michelle Seat. Uh, they're both very accomplished painters, have very different styles. Uh, but um, it's just so fun to walk inside and see the work in progress because they're always working and then all of the finished pieces on their walls. And every every artist's studio is, is really unique because they have different viewpoints, different uh, mediums they work in and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's just fun to walk around, especially first Fridays are really a fun time to come. Every first Friday of the month, uh, usually most of the artists are there in their studios. And let's talk about that. Don Don Warren of Orr Street Studios. And what are these first, <laughs> first Fridays we're talking about? Oh, sure. Well, first, uh, OrrStreetStudios.com is our website. And you'll find all sorts of information there, um, including who the artists are and the events coming up and other things. A little bit about their history. And First Fridays was begun, gosh, what year was it? By the North Village Arts District, it's a nonprofit organization that really tried to help benefit that area and bring it up with all the small businesses and artists and galleries and boutiques and things like that. So First Fridays happen every first Friday of the month. They run 6 to 9 p.m. And all over our neighborhood, you will find live music and jugglers and fire juggling and um, you know, bakeries open and cocktails and street food, you know, food trucks and art. Lots and lots of art. That's spelled Or Street, O-R-R, in, in, for those listeners. That's correct. It's O-R-R. Mm-hmm. I hope there are no so the uh, act- fire jugglers inside the studio, so there's too much paint. Not inside, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's we all outside. Some weather. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's, it's an event. It's an event. It's a walk-around space, and that's a walk-around yeah. outside, and then they come inside. Yeah. There's some very unusual uh, artists, too. I say unusual, not not traditional, maybe classical. What are some of the other art forms that you mm-hmm. can see inside these studios? We have uh, some artists, Lisa Raymond Bartlett, who also owns Artlandish. She works a lot with uh, found objects, and she does, um, her medium is really, she's so incredibly prolific and um, creative. She makes found object art and um, collage and paints and does all those different things. Next to her are Mira Greenway and uh, Jerry Donahoe. Uh, Jerry is a painter, but Mira works in glass. And then we have next to her, we have Nancy 
um, who does paint and does sketches and drawings and things like that. But she also has a very cool thing outside her studio, which is the mini art show uh, gallery. And it's an old converted doll's house that she gathers pieces from local artists, tiny pieces. And she has a, a different changing gallery show every month. Jen Wiggs is next to her. She does paint, but she does uh, a digital um, work using her paintings and images and things. And then Askia Bilal shares with her. And uh, he is primarily a painter, a very powerful painter. And he was part of our Artist in Residence program, which was started in 2020. Uh, we still have that program going. Primarily, it is to provide space for um, people who are underserved, so people of color, people who um, don't always have access to a beautiful uh, space uh, to work in. And um, one thing I should let you know is that we do keep our studio rental prices below market rate so that people can afford to have a space to make a mess and do their art. And, uh, I mean, we have 26 artists, so I could keep going on. And yeah. I'm yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's fine. That's what Come I think the it. best thing to do is to, to go and see it for yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. now yeah. we have the special events and I've, I've been there through receptions and things like that. Can people just wander in oh, yeah. or do they need to make an appointment? How does that work? Our, our hours are somewhat limited. Um, we do try to keep our doors open through the good graces of our artists and our wonderful interns from uh, MU who are there from 1230 to 4, Thursday through Sundays. And that sometimes changes depending on our ability to staff um, the space. But you can certainly email me anytime, director at orrestreetstudios.com. I'm happy to set up a uh, private and personal showing of, of the gallery space. And right now, our show is incredible. It is actually the culmination of a year's worth of work uh, with our air candidates, our artists in residence, four different artists, uh, William Wallace, uh, Sean Toaston, Asia Long, and Kaya Thompson. And the pieces are just incredible. And so, this is an art show that's ongoing. Uh, when does that end? That goes through the 28th of July. Okay. So going in, you can obviously go on the website. Uh, give, give us that yeah. again, and um, give us that again, if you will. Okay, it's Or Street Studios. So it's O R R S T R E E T S T U D I O S dot com. And that's in Columbia, in a district that has a lot of different mm -hmm. things going on. Lots of room to walk oh, yeah. around. Tell me, just yeah. a big picture: Are you getting more artists involved, or artists coming in from outside the area? Is this a growing and sustainable thing? I believe that it is. I think that COVID was a real challenge for uh, all of us all over the world. And art and things that help us lift our spirits or inform our spirits, it's a way to and a reason to gather together. And our space is very conducive to that. It's uh, We have live music. We have all sorts of things. We have Second Saturday for Kids. It's a free event. Parents can just show up from 11 to 2. It's quarterly um, and make art with their children. Um, it's, I think that art is the way that we are healing the world and kind of coming together in a fun, fun way. So that's my, my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Again, go see it for yourself, Or Street Studios. Uh, Dawn with the director of Or Street Studios. Thank you for joining us on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri.
Having enough food is a concern for many Missouri families, and it isn't restricted to rural or urban areas. Missouri Farmers Care Drive to Feed Kids opens the door for every Missourian to make a difference in the fight against hunger in our state. All proceeds are dedicating to feeding Missouri's network food banks who work daily to alleviate hunger. Visit MOFarmersCare.com drive to learn more and join the effort. One in seven Missouri children is food insecure, not knowing where their next meal may come from. Drive to Feed Kids is a year-round effort of Missouri farmers, agribusiness, and farm groups to address food insecurity in our state. Through meal packing events, gifted food products, hog processing, and monetary donations, the ag community provides support to the agencies serving our most vulnerable citizens. Visit MoFarmersCare.com drive to learn more. That's MoFarmersCare.com drive. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. I see you finally got a new helmet. I did. Bought it cheap online. <laughs> Follow me. We'll turn off here. I'm right behind you. Watch the cars. They can be crazy. Teddy! No! Are you okay? Somebody knew something! Was this young man hit by a car? Yes, and his helmet is smashed. It's a brand new helmet. It's probably a fake. Fakes cause real harm. You're smart. Buy smart. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. This is Show Me Today. The voice of Missouri State Representative Curtis Gregory wants to move up in the Missouri legislature. He's running for the Missouri Senate District 21 seat. Lisa Nelson talks to him about his bid. Let's just kind of start off. Tell our Show Me Today audience a little bit about yourself, too. I mean, obviously, uh, we know Curtis Gregory. He was a, a University of Missouri football player. T- tell us, tell us about yourself. <laughs> so I grew up um, not even a small town out in the country. The address was Blackburn. Um, a lot of people kind of give me a cross-eyed look, just like you did uh, when I tell them where that is. And so uh, where, that's how I get to describe that. Seven miles straight north of Sweet Springs. I had a Sweet Springs phone number, a Blackburn address. I went to school in Alma. 
and we do all of our grocery shopping in Marshall, which is currently where I reside. And so um, just uh, out in the country, grew up in the country, went to um, Trinity Lutheran grade school in Alma, um, then Santa Fe High School. Uh, my sister went to St. Paul's Lutheran over in Concordia, and there was uh, a big debate, where's Curtis going to go? Because I'm basically the same size I am or basically now the same size I was in eighth grade, freshman year of high school. Santa Fe was just coming off a state championship football run. And I settled on Santa Fe because that's where my dad went, Coach Bill Fox, um, who was actually Sam Graves' wrestling coach, the congressman in Tarkio. So that was a fun one. I figured that out talking to the congressman. Um, was blessed enough with some size and athletic talent, got a full ride scholarship to play football at the University of Missouri, um, was there for some great years, um, one year with Brad Smith, three with Chase Daniel, one with Blaine Gabbard. Um, got my um, bachelor's in uh, general agriculture, and I also got my master's of general agriculture um, while I was there. Went back to the farm. I sold seed for a little while, started farming um, full time in 2013. Um, so this is actually the 10th the crop um, that I myself personally have put in um, family operation with my dad um, and soybeans, uh, soybeans, corn, um, okay. some wheat here and there. Um, we used to have quite a few cattle, but due to um, certain circumstances, uh, considering politics, we got out of got out of the cattle business because that was one thing that when I was thinking about how we're going to make all this work, the thing that kept me up at night was what am I going to do when I get the phone call from the neighbors, you know, at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday during session that says the cows are out. It's going to be like, well, Conrad, you got to put them back in, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so that's the one thing we, we got out of the cattle side of things. But uh, my father, we've we've had hogs um, since I was like three or four years old, actually my whole life. Um, but we've got a hog facility where we grow pigs for the local, a local pig producer there in Marshall, Missouri also. And so from that, um, spent some time on the Corn Growers Board of Directors and um, that's really what opened my eyes to politics and agriculture and, and how much... Um, you know, you can have an impact of just telling your story um, to elected officials that are writing policy that can either help or hurt the agriculture industry. And, you know, one thing leads to another. And um, Representative Dean Dorman was uh, getting ready to term out and um, start looking at some interest in that. And then obviously the big catalyst with a lot of people getting into politics these days was Donald Trump. You know, as much as he's not just a normal person, but he wasn't involved in politics before um, when he come down that escalator in the summer of I think it was 2015 and announced he was going to run for president. I think that was really got my wheels turning that, hey, if, if he's, you know, as much of just a normal citizen as can be running for president, you know, just a normal guy like me, a normal farmer um, can have the opportunity also. And I just wanted to seize the moment and uh, be a voice for rural Missouri, just, um, you know, Saline County, Lafayette County. Um, as the areas I represent now, it's truly like home to me and, and come down here and hopefully make good policy for all the state of Missouri and back home. How long have you been in the house? Um, I just finished my third year. Um, so the way we describe it, as I'm sure you've heard people say, I'm, I am a going to be in the second semester of my sophomore year. <laughs> How do you bring um, your football game to politics? So since we're talking about sophomore year, you know, uh, that, that's I'm trying to connect that let's connect the two um, you know it's it's a just a big big learning curve you know I went from playing 1a football to division one college football and uh, the speed of the game and everything is quick and so there's definitely a learning period um, you know if you want if we really want to get into using football terms we'll use that that first legislative session so for me that would have been I think 2021 we could consider that like a little bit of a red shirt year where you get in and you know figure out where the office 
is and committees and, you know, how things work and, and, and meeting folks. And I was actually lucky enough to get one of the bills I had filed across the finish line. Uh, my very first year, so that was a great learning experience. And and so now, you know, <laughs> if we want to go down this road even further, you can say that as you're into your sophomore year, you turn into more of a starter and contributor and uh, someone that, you know, older and younger guys look up to um, for advice and and um, how to get stuff done and work with people. And I feel like that's what I bring to the table a lot is, you know, I worked with a lot of different people um, on the football field, uh, different socioeconomic status, um, race, you know, religion, um, the whole nine yards and the gamut of it. But at the end of the day, on, on Saturday nights, there was 11 of us off the field at the same time, and none of that mattered. We're just trying to move to a certain goal. And um, that's what we're going to do down in Jeff City is, you know, take all those things, throw them to the side and make good policy for the citizens of the state of Missouri. You were talking about getting a bill passed your first year. Talk about some of those uh, key bills that you have been able to get off, get across the finish line since you have been a state representative. Uh, so, so some are definitely bills. Um, some were amendments. Um, one of the big amendments that has getting a lot of traction um, and a lot of press last year and then this year now with what's going on with NCAA is name, image, likeness um, to where college athletes can um, receive compensation for you know going out and doing. An ad for the local car dealership or, or a restaurant in town or or something along those lines um, type deal, and I just think that's neat. It gives the athletes an opportunity to go out and earn some money for something that um, they're able to right now. You know, they're at the height of some of those guys are at the height of their career, and they're not going to make it to the NFL. Um, and so the ability that these guys are going to be able to go away and put some money in the bank for their future, um, I think, is is huge. Then, as far as other bills, I played a part in the big ag bill um, that the governor signed. Um, um, last summer in special session, the bill my very first year um, was an insurance piece. It was geared towards uh, the Amish community and certificates of self-insurance. And then as you've been in the Capitol now, you know that simple bills can turn into large bills and get a lot of pieces attached to them. Um, it first passed on Senate Bill 6 in 2021, and then it was like the Senate forgot Hey, there's a few more provisions we want to do. So they brought mine back up, threw those on there, sent it over to us, and um, we were able to get that done. I've touched on some healthcare um, issues. Um, last year, we got a big one done. And um, you know, I just feel like we've done a lot of really good things. Some things that I'm sad that we haven't gotten across the finish line is public school open enrollment. Um, Representative Brad Pollitt has carried that one. I think that makes a lot of sense to where, you know, the school districts are going to be able to opt in to accepting kids. You know, I think it's... Uh, odd that we're still defining where you can go to school at based on, you know, your zip code or school district, you know, so just a lot of fun things to look at. But that's one that I wish that we could, uh, you know, get across the finish line. Well, what would be your focus if you make it to the Senate? Like, what are some of the things you talked about open enrollment, any other um, focuses, priorities that you would make? You know, it was being coming down to Learfield where, you know, we've got Brownfield and in doing the show today, I was trying to look up just some statistics. I was at a fertilizer plant opening in Higginsville um, recently where they talked about specifically Lafayette County being in the top 10 for corn and soybean production. Well, Saline County is number one in planted corn acres in the state of Missouri. And so it's just natural um, that agriculture would be, you know, one of my top focuses. Um, the business climate, um, you know, staying out of small businesses way. Um, to let them, you know, go and prosper, um, so to speak. You know, I think religious freedom is, is quite a bit also. Um, Representative Alex Riley has had a bill filed for a couple years now uh, stemming out of COVID to where um, churches couldn't be, you know, shut down from being able to hold services 
you know, there's a few exceptions, you know, like times of war or something like that, where maybe that, hey, maybe we should not be, you know, there's bombing raids going on specifically. Um, but, you know, unfortunate that we haven't been able to get that across the finish line yet either. Um, but for me, mainly agriculture, you know, small business, um, a lot of small rural communities, um, keeping this broadband expansion train going. Um, one of my roommates said that he was on the broadband you know, committee or, or task force when they looked at that. And uh, he said all of the counties that lost population, like your biggest population decliners, don't have good access to rural, to, to broadband internet. And so I think maybe that's going to be key to uh, saving small rural, rural Missouri is getting broadband out there because you have these people that want to open up small businesses, but yet they can't run a credit card machine. And uh, maybe you've got folks in the city that want to come out to, you know, a small town and open up a business in one of these nice, beautiful, historic buildings we have in some of these small towns, but they don't have the internet to be able to run the business like they want. All right. Uh, State Representative Curtis Gregory is running for the Missouri Senate in 2024. He joins Show Me Today to talk about his Senate bid. I'm Elisa Nelson. I I know Representative Doug Ritchie of Excelsior Springs, he's also running. Is there any other candidates that you know of in the race at this point? There are not, not at this point. So what do you think sets you apart from him? (laughs) Um, You know, Doug's a good guy. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, we're not throwing stones yet. Farmer background, um, the, uh, the small business background, you know, a farm is a small business in and of the sense that, you know, like many small businesses out there, I've got employees that help from time to time. Although currently my, my dad and I try and get it all accomplished now. Um, dealing with, you know, banks, lines of credit, paying bills, um, rising interest rates. You know, when I went in and signed my line of credit this year, I was glad I was sitting down when the bank slid the piece of paper across that said the interest rate this year. And so just knowing what a lot of these small business owners are facing, I'm facing the exact same thing, you know, on the farm, albeit on maybe a different scale, but same things. And um, just the ability of hard work, um, you know, the job has to get done at the end of the day. Um, you know, the football background of working with others towards a common goal, compromise, um, and just wanting to work and get things done for the betterment, again, of the district and the state. That's State Representative Curtis Gregory, who is running for the Missouri Senate in 2024. Um, I want to thank you for being on the show to talk about uh, your run for Senate. You're welcome back anytime, okay? Well, you just let me know when to come back, and I'll always love being down here in studio. It just re- it reminds me of the good old days of being on air for the Tigers. Show me today. Show me today.